We blessed you this morning. We talked last Sunday and we talked about starting something different. Okay, we've been talking a lot about, you know, in our classes during the week, about just the importance of studying. You know, and, and that's how the, the early church started. You know, it was studying the scriptures, studying the scriptures at that time were the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. Right. You know, so it was Paul traveling and the apostles opening the scriptures and revealing Christ, the Messiah, from the scriptures. Okay? And then we, we talked about, because it's one of my, my favorite books in the Bible, is the book of Ephesians. We talked about, you know, hey, why don't we start studying the book of Ephesians? And we are not trying to rush through it, like we were talking about Hannah, going to Hannah. You have to enjoy the, the trip. You have to, first of all, have a good tour guide, you know, the Holy Spirit, to take you to places. And that's what we were, we were reading in the beginning here of Moses, talking to God, saying, review me your ways. You know, because when we try to study the scriptures with our mind, we're going to get only what our mind can get. You know, and we do not want to understand the scriptures. We want the Holy Spirit to speak to us about the scriptures. And we want the, the depth and the, you know, the length and the height and all of that to be revealed to us. And that's what we're going to be reading out of Ephesians. But I want to first just paint a, a little background of the book of Ephesians. Okay? So uh, Paul, he did three missionary journeys. So he traveled through the Mediterranean Sea three times, visiting Greece, Asia, where is Turkey today, and Italy, and finally he, he never made to Rome, right? But this, at the end of the last trip, he stayed in Ephesus for three years. That's a long time for a missionary to stay in one place, right? Usually they're like one week at, at a place, but he stayed there for three years. And then you can read about that, and I know I only talk about reading first, uh, Ephesians first today, but maybe later you can go back and read Acts 19 and 20. And it talks about what was going on in Ephesus when Paul was there. Okay, and there are some, some very interesting things that I want to point out before we get to Ephesians. And then there's also one reference to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2 that I think we should read. So, so first, you have the time of Paul in Ephesus during his third mission, missionary trip. He's returning to Jerusalem. There he gets arrested and he's sent to Rome and he never returns. You know, so he stays in Rome in prison until he dies. And from prison, he wrote the letter to the Ephesians. Okay? So, by way of introduction, 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 16. 
Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining the spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Does it make sense? You cannot read the Bible without being aware that there are spiritual words here. There is a, this is like a, a, a portal to a, another world. You know, and it's speaking not only of things of this world here, but it's speaking about things that our eyes do not see and we cannot understand with our minds. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of Christ that he will instruct, instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ, right? So that's what we're looking for when we come to a Bible study. We want the mind of Christ. I don't want anybody else's mind, I, not even mine. I want to be able to find the mind of Christ being revealed as we discuss and we study together, and the Holy Spirit is going to bring treasures from everybody. You know, so I, I, I study a lot, but I, I don't study trying to understand with my mind. I'm trying to understand to get to know God and His ways. They are hidden, a lot of times hidden from us. And in Proverbs uh, 25, let me get there really quick. Proverbs 25, verse 2, it says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out the matter. So there are hidden treasures, and, and you're going to hear that a lot in the book of Ephesians. That it's like the revealing of the mysteries of what was happening when the Messiah came. Okay, so let me just point out a, a couple of examples for you in Acts 9, 19 and 20. That you can almost, I've read this and you could look like, what was really going on here? For instance, 19. Uh, there is like verse 11. Miracles at Ephesus. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. So it was very active three years in Ephesus. You know, things were happening. Things were like, it was not just going to church, right? It was not just, there was like manifestation of the spirit of power of 
these other spirits, and, and we're going to see this. Look at this. And then and Jesus left them, and the evil spirits went out. But also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Do you see the picture here? Paul was being able to cast spirits out and heal the sick, and somebody was trying to do the same thing and repeat the same formulas, and let's see what happens. Uh, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of the one Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Right? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Isn't that awesome? I mean, this is, I, I just want to paint a picture of what was going on in this book of Ephesians, okay? This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, who lived in Ephesus. And fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also of those who had believed kept coming and confessing and disclosing their practices. Okay? And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. You guys get the picture here? You know, all the witchcraft, they had books of all those practices that they were actually exercising power over this level of spirit and, and you know, diseases, whatever. And they were, at the fear of the name of Jesus, they were bringing their books and saying, we surrender. We, we, we choose the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Not just any king or any lord, but we choose one. And that was like the atmosphere that was happening for three years in Ephesus, okay? Uh, So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Now these things, after these things were finished, Paul purposed in the spirit to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So his, always his goal was to go to Rome, right? And he continues as, uh, I don't want to read the whole thing, but there's a lot of confusion going on here later. And then from Macedonia, a little farther down, he calls the elders of Ephesus to talk to them. He doesn't return to Ephesus, and he has a whole thing with them. Uh, 
Let me see here. Verse 17. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. Solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Paul was not caught by surprise, by prison, by being killed. He knew, but he was following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And, but he had this meeting with the elders. Ex, uh, oh wait. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard. Here's what is important. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering the night and the day for a, that for night and day, for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of, with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Does this help? Just to create a, a little context for us to now start discussing the book of Ephesians. I mean, I, I really encourage you to go back and read 19 and 20, also from Acts, the whole thing. There's a lot more. In 19, there's a, a, a portion that talks about this Greek goddess that they believe they came from heaven. 
So it was a beautiful temple with this statue that they believed in, it came from heaven. You know, so they were worshiping. And then because of what Jesus was doing through Paul, the, the, the idol makers were losing their businesses. And they sort of like a riot, and they want to get rid of Paul because they were like, hey, the whole economy of this place here is going down because everybody's forsaking the worship of idols. You know, so anyway, there was like a lot going on there. So did you guys read Ephesians 1? Yep. Should we start? Okay, so now we'll bless us with this. Lord bless us. Ephesians 1, Paul. And if you have any comments, questions, please let me know. Okay? An apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. I'm gonna pause here, just make a few comments. Uh, verse three, it says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then verse 4, it says, he chose us. He's not waiting to decide if he's going to choose or not. And verse 5, it says, he predestined us to adoption. It is a destiny that you, you need to work really hard to get out of. In him, verse 7, we have already, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. You know what lavished is? It's like he poured. It's like abundant, unending. More than you can take, more than you can contain. And again, I'm not saying this, oh, you're, you're going to put this in your mind. No, this is, you have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, show me what does it mean that you lavished this upon me. Not with this mind of ours, but, you know, like he prays in, in the second chapter, third chapter, I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened, not your mind. Okay, where, what was I? Okay, it's verse 
8. He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end, that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is given as a down payment. Just a little portion of what's to come. Yes. Yeah, so that's why we were studying on Thursdays, you know, to find the Messiah in all the Old Testament. Because what he's talking about here is that the mystery and the conclusion or the summing up of all things happened at the coming of the Messiah. But it was always and forever pointing out, and it was started by him, and it was concluded by him. Okay, and what I also want to, you know, just keep emphasizing this because we we have a, a, a tendency to try to take the wheel and say, okay, now what do I do here? You know, and and here there's I haven't heard anything that we we are to, supposed to do anything. We are only supposed to believe. And, 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 and participate in what he has done because he did everything. Okay? Okay, 15. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. You know, last, you know, when I, I read something like this, you know, Paul talking about his prayers, I, I would go and, okay, what can I learn from Paul's prayers? <laughs> you know, the way that he prayed. 
the way that he prayed for the churches, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. That's a good way to pray for one another. Yeah. Right? So instead of going, oh my God, that person, you know, they need to change that attitude. They did. God make them stop doing that, the other thing. You know, control their habits or whatever. You pray like this. That God, or for Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and, that, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the workings of the strength of his might. That's a powerful prayer, right? I think that we, we should, you know, make little cards with these verses. And when you think about somebody, you pray this. You know, I pray that the eyes of your heart, you know, I pray that the eyes of my daughter's heart may be enlightened. I pray that the eyes of the hearts of my neighbors be enlightened. I pray that the hearts of the, the eyes of the hearts of the politicians be enlightened, that they have a, a, a clear revelation of who the Lord is. You know, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, Feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I bless this for us because this is, again, this is not something that you can read and skip over, you know, and do like a, a quick trip to Hannah. And, and miss all the secret spots that in just one chapter are right here. You know, and, and, and I mean, I just want to, like I said in the beginning of the service, you know, like, why is it the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, or why is a name above every other name? Because there are ranks, and there are spirits, and there are lords. You know, and, and you can be stuck under one Lord and not know it. And you may, may be under a, some minor king and not know it. Or you can be set free to serve the Lord like Galatians talks about and end up going back 
through a yoke of slavery, you know, and submitting yourself to another name. So you cannot just read this, I cannot. Read this and, okay, I got it. I read it. No, I, I want to have, want to go to the Lord. Okay, Lord, I pray that the eyes of my heart be enlightened. That I am able to see what Paul was seeing. That I, I can understand exactly what Paul was talking about here. And he was like preparing this church, and not only the church in Ephesus, but this is believed to be a, a letter that was read in many different churches. Because it was not dealing with a specific issue in Ephesus only. It doesn't mention name of anybody in that church. But it was a letter that was like, I'm going to send this letter throughout the whole missionary field that he had started, you know, so that people will never forget what was really happening, what was the mystery of the message of the gospel. Any comments, questions? I, I got something. Okay. So let's, let's give you a little more perspective, too. So Paul was a Jew. Yep. He was killing Christians. He had a experience with with God himself and it, it changed him and empowered him and what his excitement that I'm getting out of Ephesians and kind of a lot of Paul's writings is look the Jews aren't the only game in town anymore. The Gentiles are part of the kingdom. I'm excited to tell you that. I'm telling you you can be close to God. I'm telling you, you can experience his love. Yes. I'm telling you, it's more powerful than your condition. I'm telling you, it's more powerful than the way I used to be. And I thought I knew everything because I was the head of the class, so to speak. Right? Yeah. And this is, this is all documented stuff. You know, I'm not even adding anything to it. And so Paul's excitement to see that a whole group of people were and now had access to Christ. God through Christ um, was infectious to him. You know, yeah. he, he was wow. You guys got to know, man. This this is really happening. It happened to me. It can happen to you. And I don't know if he was a used car salesman kind of guy. You know, but you know he must have had some appeal because he was. I think he was very powerful in stating how much we were loved by the Lord. You know, and getting that message across. And so I think the thing that, um, and this is kind of a weird way to look at it, but when you're adopted, you're adopted. Now, when you think of that word of adoption, well, I wasn't born to that family, I'm adopted. So there was a little bit of that going on. There was resentment between the two, the Jews and the Gentiles, and uh, maybe they, they didn't like their adopted brothers, you know, and maybe we didn't like the, you know, the Gentiles didn't like the family they were adopted into. All of that's in play. All of that. And he explains it clearly. You know, the circumcision, the uncircumcision. Mm -hmm. But the underlying thing from Ephesians that I got out of it, there's a joy that you're included, you're included, you're included. You've got to see the power of how much God loves you. He really does. And even death, you know, his love is more powerful than death, you know. And so to get all those uh, concepts into you and I'm not getting into you but to just feel that you're loved 
and you're not having to compete for his love. Yes. That's a theme also in a lot of Paul's writing. Yes. You don't have to compete for God's love. He loves you. He loves you. I don't, I don't have to prove that I'm a, you know, a, 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 you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so there's still some of that conflict in present day Christianity and Judaism and all that. And that's fine. You know, it's, it's getting better and better, I think. But, but that joy of knowing that you're part of, of God's kingdom, Paul was hammering on that. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. He was hammering. He goes, yeah, you once were this, now you're this. And, and you have access. Don't let anybody tell you you have to be like them Exactly. To have access. He was screaming that. You don't have to be like them to be who you are. The yeah. world screams at you. You gotta be this, you gotta be that, you gotta have this, you you don't have enough money, you know, you're not a good enough parent. You No, 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 no. But there, you know, it takes some energy to push all that back. Yeah. And, yeah anyway. Well and, and that is the the warning in Acts twenty that Paul was saying, once I'm done. You know, all these false teachers are going to come and flood you and all the churches with all these things that you need to get circumcised. You have to do this. You need to keep days and, and, and moons and, and, and feasts and, you know, and wash hands and all of that, you know. And then, but Paul was like, like you're saying, hey, in Christ, you're set free. And then ju just jumping on chapter 2, Verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Yeah. You know, and that's where the, we get in trouble, is that when we, we try to take the wheel and say, okay, now I'm going to do this, and Galatians, I'm going to finish in the flesh what started in the Spirit. You know, and what, what I think that the point of this thing doing this here is like let's never forget that this is a thing of the spirit it's not a thing of the mind it's not a thing of works it's not a thing of your performance and you 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 doing that or the other thing you know and then i mean even when we study the hebrew roots i'm not going to try to become a jew or become this or you know i'm just trying to get to know the lord and what he has done, which is way bigger than I can think with my mind. Because we will never graduate and then we're qualified. It just, that's not, no. that's not the path. No. No, and then we're, we're, we'll see that in all of Paul's writings, he never said, I got it. You know, in Philippians said, that's why I, I run, I leave everything behind. I consider everything as lost, as, you know, he uses another term, because I am pressing on to know the Lord and the power of his resurrection. So even Paul, that wrote most of the New Testament, he never got it, but he was like pursuing with, with this passion. It's like, I'm going to know him, and I'm going to get to know the mysteries. And that's the whole thing of Ephesians. It's like he gave all these ministries and Paul, apostles and prophets until we all attain. And then so he's including himself. We need one another. It's by speaking the truth in love to one another that we were going to grow. You know, so that's the oneness. You know, we need both sides. We need the Jews and Gentiles coming together and becoming one man 
because that's what God is doing. You know, but you don't stop being who you are when you become one with somebody else. You continue to be who you are, you know. So, Lord, bless us with that. Lord, give us this heart of the Apostle Paul. Yes, Joy. Spirit, if you've ever been like slain in the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call that, 
and I think most of us, or at least I have, I've had several kind of times when it was way bigger than me, you know, what was happening. It shows you that there aren't any sides, there's no division, and, and I, I wish I could hold on to that clarity longer, but my conditionings come back, the assault of the enemy, Holy Spirit cleanses us from our conditioning so that we can see what's available to us, you know? Yeah. And so to pray to get that clarity is a wonderful thing. And try to stay in an atmosphere, like you're saying, George, it starts in the home, to get the clarity in the home. Yeah. And go out from there. I love you, Ed. I love you, Charlie. You know, it, it builds, it builds, it builds. And then when the stuff that's negative comes in, you have a bigger displacement already yeah. working for you. Yeah. Opposed to you know starting from zero and having to fight back, you know, being eloquent. So the Holy Spirit really helps in just showing you what's available. Yes. Yes. Well I, I would add, you know, to also what you're saying about the importance of the book of Ephesians. It's because it talks about oneness, and like he, this author said, and talks about maturity. You know, not being like children tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. You know, and not being deceived. You know, so to me, that's what Paul was warning, you know, in, in Acts 20. And then that's what, you know... Uh, John, the beloved, you know, in his letters to the, the churches, he sent a letter to Ephesians. You know, uh, go to Revelation chapter 2. Just to conclude this, so I mentioned this, but it says, To the angel of the church of, in Ephesus, write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And found, you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and you have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I will, I'm coming to you, and I will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. Yet, this you have done, you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Amen. So we will continue. Chapter 2. Mm -hmm. Sounds good? Yeah.
seen it through a few times.
and be a brother to him, and be a son to our Father. So we bless us with all of our hearts in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen.